Chafbet Iyar, Tafshin Ayin Chet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
Yaakov Shweki off of the Kolod album kicks off this edition of the Israel Show. We are live. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here each and every Monday, immediately following JM and DAM, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time, around the world, whatever time it is now, that's the time that we're on. There you go. It's that simple. And we are so happy to have you along. Thank you for joining us on this weekly excursion into everything Israel. We'll be talking about some uh, some very uh, some some interesting things. First of all, there is a, a bill that is um, in in, um, in the Israeli Knesset. It, it's uh, in the process of um, being legislated, but it is very questionable whether it'll make it. And um, it is called the override bill, or the court override bill, or the high court override bill. Um, it is fascinating. It is fascinating not only in Israel, but it's fascinating also because in the United States, we have a similar situation. I don't know how it is in Europe. We have listeners all over the world. Um, the question of um, um, judicial uh, advocacy and so forth, um, whether the judiciary can actually override the legislator, the legislative branch. So that is something going on, and uh, we'll have a, we'll take take a take a look at that. Uh, we'll take a look at the bombshell, excuse the pun, that the prime minister um, laid um, um, brought out on Monday about how the Israeli Mossad raided and (laughs) took all of the atomic nuclear archives of Iran and brought them to Israel. Half a ton of material. Um, In fact, people who are listening to this show live were probably the first to hear about the fact that the Prime Minister would be addressing that uh, later in the evening, because we had a we had a um, alert pop up, and we mentioned it right away. So yeah, you listen to the show live. You keep on top of everything that's going on during the hour that we're on. Oh my! And we'll we'll have some other um, if we have time, and usually we don't. We'll have some thoughts about the Giro d'Italia. A race that is um, bicycle race that took place in Israel, uh, partially in Israel, uh, over the last three days. That's all coming up. We're going to go to a new song, brand new song, just released. It is a remake of one of the um, classic Israeli songs of the previous generations, or two generations ago, even I would say, my mother's generation. Um. Erev Shoshanim. It 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 found itself a place in, in Jewish life, not only as Israeli music, but people use it in um, 
in Tefillah and in other places, um, which our dear friend Mark Zamek finds very inappropriate. Either way, it's been redone. People always complain that um, the old-time Israeli music is just not with it enough for this generation. So a lot of the songs are being redone. And this is Jane Bordeaux and Israel Gurion singing Erev Shoshoshanim. Now, the original Erev Shoshoshanim was done by um, the Dudaim. It was a, uh, a, a duo called <laughs> the Dudaim. And one of the members of the Dudaim was Israel Gurion. So here is the new, the new person, Jane Bordeaux, being joined by the original singer back from the 1950s, Israel Gurion, with Erev uh, Shoshoshanim. We hope you like this remake. I found it very, very interesting as well. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. like that. Interesting uh, what our listeners think. You're welcome to uh, comment on our app at the Nachum Siegel Network um, app on the comment section. Let us know if you like the song. Or on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show and um, we will post let me just make sure there is a link to YouTube. I'm pretty sure there is. Yes, we will post the link to the YouTube video of this song uh, as 
all the other songs that we will play today. Uh, we'll post that on our Facebook page a little later today, and you'll be able to listen to the songs at your convenience, on demand, as it's uh, as it's called. And we encourage you to tell your friends about it, too. They can go onto the Facebook page and uh, listen to the songs so that they're on top of all the new Israeli music and uh, some of the nostalgic music, plus listen to the Israel show. On our Facebook page, there is a link to um, to every um, edition of uh, the Israel show. Quick announcement, if you're listening live, then um, later today, May the 7th, from 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. So translate that into Israel time if you're in Israel. 11.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Live from Israel, Nachum Siegel Network and the American Friends of Barilan University present a live broadcast event with Malcolm Honeline. I think that's a name that everybody is familiar with if you're listening to the show. Mr. Honeline, 2018 Honorary Doctoral Recipient, will be delivering a lecture to launch the new Impact Center for the Study of Judaism in Israel and North America. The broadcast will feature an assortment of star professors and researchers from bar University. So tune in for that, 11.30 a.m. Let's see, 11.30 a.m. New York time is 6.30 p.m. Israel time. And that goes from then till 2 p.m. U.S. time, which is um, 9 p.m. Israel time. That's a great, that, that's going to be a great thing. You, you don't want to miss that, Malcolm Honeline with Nachum. You know, every Friday, so many people enjoy listening to that segment, so this is like a, a super segment, if you will. A super weekly update. Prime Minister Netanyahu, last Monday, put on, I think, one of the most spectacular shows... <laughs> <laughs> that that a um, that a ruling executive could put on. I I don't know that there is a leader in the free world that has that capability. In addition to many other capabilities that uh, Netanyahu has, the capability of doing a fifteen-minute television show presenting the evidence that Israel uncovered, the evidence that Iran lied, (gasps) Iran lied, oh my God, who would have thunk it, about developing a nuclear program that they were working on a nuclear weapon. So there are several aspects to this. I started off just with the presentation. It It was so good. I mean, the theatrics of it, the you know, taking off the cover of the of of the files and then the CDs and the PowerPoint presentation with the with the, the um, video clips. It just literally it, it. You know, sometimes we complain about Israel. Not sometimes we always complain about Israeli Hasbara, about um, PR that Israel is so lacking in. This was an example of the opposite. 
I think. This was an example of Israel putting on a great show. The problem is, for those, for those who think that the problem of Israel is Hasbara, the problem is that it didn't really make an effect. It didn't have an effect, I should say. It didn't have a great effect on the people that needed to be influenced. Now, it could be that's because all the rest of our Hasbara is bad. I don't know. But after this the, the astounding news that Israel uncovered and literally stole a half a ton of documents and um, and CDs from an Iranian storage house with all their nuclear archives after that wore off that that excitement that that surprise then everybody in the world and part of part of the Israeli media they were just like nothing happened like so what big deal there's no news here nothing new here nothing new move on move along that was the reaction that you got there's nothing new we knew we knew that Iran was lying like so oh my god that's why we made the deal with them because we knew they were lying oh I see you make a deal with somebody who you know is a liar no but now we can we can have inspections oh really you had inspections before too but the Iranians were so good at hiding everything that the inspections were useless There's a clip from Israeli television, which um, I'm not going to play it today, maybe next week, where um, one of the heads of Israeli intelligence was asked by the Prime Minister to sit with Berlusconi of Italy, the Prime Minister of Italy, and explain to him why the system of verifications that the West is using does not work. It is an Unbelievable story. It's, this is it wraps it in a wraps it up in a it puts it in a nutshell. He said that the I E I A A I E I whatever O McDonald, um, the International Atomic Energy Inspection um, Organization said that they want to come to a certain place that they suspected there would be nuclear development, they want to come to that place in Iran and inspect them. Iran said, sure, you can come. And they set a date for five months. In five months, you can come and inspect the site. And during those five months, Iran literally did away with everything that was there. They dug into the ground and moved out any dirt that could have absorbed any um, nuclear remnants and they made it into a soccer field. You understand? And then the inspectors come and they say, okay, there's nothing here. I don't know why everybody's getting upset. There's nothing here. So what did this intelligence operator, Israeli intelligence operator, show 
Prime Minister of Italy, Berlusconi, he showed him two pictures taken from satellites. One of them showed the same area with a big industrial complex where nuclear work was taking place. And then showed the same area, and you could see that it's exactly the same area, five months later, with the soccer field. That's it. If you, if you can't do pop inspections, and you can't inspect military installations, and, and your inspection apparatus is so lame that they'll accept okay, come in five months, then the whole thing is ridiculous. Then there, there's no point. And so the same way that Iran lied constantly by saying we don't have a nuclear program, they'll continue to lie. And the main point that is new here, and I think that this is a point that was somehow missing from all the coverage, the JCPOA, which is the official Russia Tay vote for the Iran deal, had a provision. The the beginning, the starting point had to be that Iran comes clean. Iran reveals every and all information that it has about a nuclear program that it was working on. That when they signed the deal there are no secrets and Iran signed that there was nothing and the whole deal was based upon this piece of information that there was no Iran nuclear program there was no work to make a bomb so the entire deal is based on that and is built on that and the certain conditions are put based on that and they're signing that this is the truth. This is where they're at. There's nothing beyond this that they ever developed. Well, now we find out that that entire thing was not true. The basis of the entire deal is a lie. So all of us who've been yelling that this deal is horrific, it's dangerous, It's an existential threat to Israel. And we knew it was true. Now it's a little easier to prove it. And yet nobody wants to listen. I was thinking about it last week. And I thought about it many times during my life. How did the world reach... How did the world reach that state in the late 1930s and early 1940s where Germany became a killing machine, where the Holocaust was made possible? Where was, and and the answer, I, I just see it here. Here's the answer. Everybody just goes on with their lives 
and a guy gets up and says, we're going to wipe Israel off the map and we're going to build bombs. And the president of the United States goes along with a deal that is clearly a lie. It's, it's, you know, Ben Shapiro wrote that Prime Minister um, Netanyahu got up and his headline was, Iran lied. And he added, yeah, and the Obama administration lied as well. And we know that to be true. And that is part of, to me, obviously more shocking than Iran lied. Of course Iran lied. That doesn't shock us. The, the the Obama administration it were key members of the administration admitted in print in the New York Times to having deceived the American public about the Iran deal. Former Obama national security guru and professional fiction writer Ben Rhodes bragged openly about lying to the Americans regarding the supposedly more moderate Iranian leadership seeking a deal. It was all a story. The Obama administration, says Ben Shapiro, desperate desperate to cut a deal with the Iranian government, played propagandists for the Iranian government. They fibbed that the Iranians had gone moderate. They lied that the only alternative to their rotten deal was war. They signed a deal that gave Iran enormous, enormous quantities of cash to use for terrorism, and that did nothing to rein in Iran's ballistic missile program. Finally, they looked the other way as Iran lied about It's maintenance of secret nuclear information. And now we're supposed to believe the world that says, oh, there's no big deal and everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. Do you know that last week John Kerry, who's the architect of this deal, met with the Iranian foreign minister? In order to help him fight against those who want to break the deal. Is that astounding? I mean, we, we've spoken a lot about John Kerry and how, and his insanity. And it continues. It's not nothing new. Not news. Not news. John Kerry's not news. <sighs> Our listener, Moshe, has commented, I just don't have the time to read it all, so I will do my best to read it during some of the breaks. Um, he, he writes, tongue-in-cheek, he was told that John Kerry's a Gilgal of Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 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 you know what? It's the old... Um, if we don't learn history, we are doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, America under Obama and Kerry did exactly what Chamberlain did with Hitler, and they did it towards Iran. Um, the answer to your question is yes, although I'm going to speak about that next week and not um, not this week. But uh, yes, I do know that. It is a fascinating story. And um, now we'll go to some more music. 
Thank you all for your comments. Lots of activity today on our comment board at the Nachum Siegel Network. We will um, continue to monitor that. This is uh, Yochai Ben Avi, brand new. Yesod Kisei Hashem Ba'olam, based on words of Rav Cook. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. בצעדים קטנים היא מתעוררת מימין לשמועתנו הנה בא היום מנה עפר היא כמה מתנערת לא ברור לה מי היא שכחה את עברה גם עתידה עדיין לא זוהר ובין קולות הפחד היא שומעת מתוכה כל חדש ישן שמבשר יסוד כיסא השם בעולם יסוד כיסא השם בעולם שכל חפצה הוא שיהיה השם אחד ושמו אחד יסוד כיסא השם בעולם יסוד כיסא השם בעולם שכל חפצה הוא שיהיה השם אחד ושמו אחד עשירי את המסכות גליל הכל ליאה האם את בית או נקלט בטוח? את נחשבת עם האור, נכון לקרוא לך בת. האם את חומר יסוד כיסא השם בעולם, יסוד כיסא השם בעולם, שכל חפצה הוא שיהיה, השם אחד ושמו אחד.
Yochai ben Avi, Yisod Kiseh Hashem Ba'olam, based on words from Rav Cook. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show and the Nachum Siegel Network. As promised, we're going to talk a little bit about major controversy that is, uh, you know, sometimes there are controversies that everybody's involved in, and sometimes there are controversies that most people don't care about, but the elites are very involved in. The uh, In America, we'd call it inside the beltway. Well, this is one of those controversies in Israel. So, here's the uh, situation currently, and uh, this is what what is uh, being attempted to be changed by legislators in the Knesset. Right now, the Israeli Supreme Court is able to say that a law that the Knesset passed, majority of the uh, of the legislatures vote for a law the, the 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 supreme court can go on to say that the law violates certain conditions and is illegal and they strike it down they just strike down the law if you think about the absurdity here there is a knesset of 120 members various different parties that was elected by the Israeli population. There is a court that was elected, not only elected by nobody, but the appointees, those who are appointed to to the Supreme Court, aren't even appointed by somebody else who was elected. In the United States, the president... Um, nominate someone to the Supreme Court, and then the Senate has to approve. So you have the president who was elected and the Senate who was elected. In Israel, there is a a, a committee which is mainly made up of uh, existing judges or retired judges, and they have the veto power over who gets appointed to be a judge and truly a Supreme Court judge. So they're just keeping the status quo. So if the Supreme Court, for example, leans to the left, let's say, then it's going to keep leaning to the left, even though over decades now the Israeli population leans to the right. So you have this absurd situation. Now, this has been going on for the longest time. And one of the reasons that it's reached... Uh, um, a breaking point now is that Israel has a problem with several tens of thousands of infiltrators who came in from Africa, mainly Sudan and Eritrea. We've spoken about it before. Some of them are refugees. If they go back to their country, they'll maybe they'll be killed and so forth. And Israel has a responsibility, according to international law, to protect them. Many of them are looking for jobs and a better life. So they come to Israel, and they know that in Israel, they're going to find a very compassionate Jewish people, and they'll take them in. And Israel, I guess, wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind it so much, if not for the fact that many of these people are violent, 
criminals that have been terrorizing neighborhoods in Israel, especially South South Tel Aviv, that has become like a prison. People people are afraid to walk out of their house. And you have in Israel a radical left that says, no, we have to keep him here. How could we fill them out? And of course they bring up the Holocaust and Jewish refugees and so forth and so on. Israel worked very hard to set up an arrangement where other countries in Africa would take these refugees in and they would not be in danger. But through a lot of machinations of the left and of other other countries, those third-party countries were convinced that they should not accept any of these refugees. Just before Israel was about to start deporting those infiltrators to other countries where they will be safe, the high court ruled that they can't do that, and they forced the state of Israel to keep the infiltrators there and to let them out of a um, they had built for them an area where they would live not in great conditions obviously until they could figure out what to do with them and they and the court said you have to let them go let them go free in Israel which to a great extent could be a danger to the populations and even when the government tried to set up a system where they would force these infiltrators to not congregate in one place and terrorize neighborhoods, but split them up into different areas, the court overruled that as well. So you have a situation where the country has a problem. Now, there's no more infiltrators coming in now because the government built a wall. I mean, who knows? The high court might say you have to take down the wall. So the high court is basically not allowing the government of Israel to do what it thinks is right. What is the claim? And and this, by the way, is one example, but this is one of the examples that brought it to the fore. What is the claim of the court? The court says a majority of people that voted for a government is a majority, but that does not mean that you can oppress the minority. You can't trample on the rights of the minority. And so the court sees itself as the protector of those that don't have the power, which would be nice if it would be true. The problem is, that's not what really happens. So the court protects those in minority that fit into their political agenda, if it's politically correct. So when the uh, Air Force did not want to accept a female as a pilot because they felt it was not a good thing for the army, the high court forced them to do it. When the government continued to run the Kotel area as an orthodox synagogue, because that's the way it always was, and the overwhelming, overwhelming, overwhelming majority of people that go to Davin there are orthodox. 
the high court said, no, there's a minority people. You can't trample on their rights. You have to set something up for them. When the government said, if somebody is learning Torah full-time, he doesn't need to be drafted, the high court said, no, you can't do that because you're discriminating one population over another. And now all the craziness that's been going on about drafting yeshiva boys has all come as a result of the high court saying that it's discriminatory if you allow yeshiva boys not to serve in the army. Has one unit of the army now come as come about from Haredi people as a result of that? No, it would have happened on its own. It did. Ha- it was happening on its own. If any anything, there was a backlash. But now this issue is still an open issue. That is the political correctness of the court. But as um, Amit Segal pointed out in a great piece yesterday, when the minority that's supposed to be protected by the court is not the politically correct minority. For example, for a year and a half before the expulsion of the Jews from Aza, when Ariel Sharon, the prime minister, acted like a bulldozer, pushing through this decision and its implementation, the minority, and there were many, who were against it, were constantly thwarted by the government and by the police. Their rights were trampled. And the High Court, the Supreme Court, said nothing. Not only that, they upheld the police actions. So as Amit Segal's point was made... They don't protect the minority from being trampled. The court has an agenda. It is a left-wing agenda. They perpetuate it by appointing others of left-wing agenda. In fact, they even, in one of the most craziest, one of the craziest examples, when, I can't remember her name now, but uh, someone was nominated to be in the Supreme Court Ruth Gabizon, that's her name. When Ruth Gabizon was uh, nominated to be on the Supreme Court, members of the Supreme Court said, no, we won't accept her because she comes with her own agenda. Can you imagine that? <laughs> These people have their own agenda. The, the entire court is a, it's an agenda. And they won't take somebody who has a different agenda. I mean, is she not allowed to have an opinion other than the majority of the court, other than the elites of the court? This is what Israel is battling. So the the law that has been brought about, and I have to say that Naftali Bennett and Ayelet Shaked are really in the forefront of this, called Chok Hahit Gabrut, the override or the court override law. The idea here is to say that if the court nixes a law that was passed by the Knesset, the Knesset can then override the court by a certain majority. So if the 
if the court says allowing Haredim who are learning full-time not to serve in the army is discriminatory and therefore that law has to be changed, can't be enacted, it can come back to the Knesset and the Knesset can override the 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 uh, the, the uh, Supreme Court. It's sort of like in America where a law comes to the president, the president vetoes it, you need a special majority and they can override the veto. The question is, what will the special majority be? Now, that's interesting in and of itself that we are now at the point not of whether there should be such a law, but the question now is a negotiation of what the special majority should be. Should it be a majority, a regular majority of 61? <clears throat> Some are pushing it should be a majority of 70. Obviously, those who support the court more want to have a higher majority. So this is what's happening. The problem is that there is not, right now, in uh, in the coalition, a majority to pass this law, because the Kulanu party, led by Moshe Kahlon, is uh, trying to wink to its left-wing flank. And so they're saying they're not going to support it, or they'll only support it in uh, in certain areas. So there you have it. That's... Uh, as well as we can do it, a um, summary of what is at stake right now in Israel regarding this law, the override or the court override um, law, and uh, we shall continue to follow it and let you know what's happening. Um, Sarit Haddad, very um, very interesting remake of the Pugi classic Natati Lachayai, it was done uh, in honor of the 70th anniversary of the State of Israel. We played for you here. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
What do you think of that? <laughs> That's very interesting, right? You have to admit, it's different. Very different. Uh, that was Sarit Haddad. And um, it was a remake of the Pugi classic, Natati La Chayai. So, we mentioned several times, excuse me, we mentioned several times about the um, bicycle race called the Giro d'Italia, the uh, Italian route or tour, like you have the Tour de France, which is a very famous bicycle race, the second most famous bicycle race and most prestigious bicycle race in the world is this Italian race called Gino d'Italia. And um, next week we'll tell you a little bit more about some interesting historic points. But this past weekend... The race began out of Yerushalayim. Every few years, I mean, it's an Italian race, so usually it's throughout Italy. But every few years, they start the race in another European country and end up in Rome. Always end up in Rome. And this year, really due to the work of, of one individual, one Jew, a Ole Hadash from, uh, from Canada, due to his amazing efforts, it began for the first time, this race began for the first time in a city outside of Europe. And that city is Yerushalayim. It was the largest sporting event that Israel hosted. And it is covered by television services throughout the world. And in Europe, it is very, very highly watched by uh, TV audiences. So it was beautiful for them to be able to see Israel in a different light, not in the light they usually see Israel. War and violence and so forth and so on. Controversy. They saw Israel in its beauty as part of this race, and that was a great, a great thing and a great accomplishment and just shows you the power of one man to do things. Um, on their Facebook page, Ir David pointed out something very nice. They write that 2,000 years ago, the year 70, The Jewish people were exiled from Yerushalayim. They were beaten. They were broken. And they marched as slaves. Slaves of the Roman Empire to the city of Rome. We have, of course, the famous... Arch of Titus in Rome, which depicts how the utensils of the Bet HaMikdash, the Menorah, the Machtot, the Mizbeach, are being carried 
out of Yerushalayim as spoils of war. Well, who would have imagined, they write, who would have imagined that a day would come that is part of one of the most prestigious sports events in the world people including Jews would leave Yerushalayim to get to Rome upright standing upright proud powerful free komimiyut and so, to look at this race from a little bit of a historic perspective, it is a beautiful, beautiful sight. I thank the Ir David, the City of David, on their Facebook page for sharing that thought. We're going to end off with Ariel Zilber and Ufaratsta. But before we do that, as always, we're going to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your Facebook likes and comments. We're going to post... The uh, links to today's show and the music on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, and a very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, a very special day. As always, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. After that, Novak Now with Jake Novak, focusing on the big news stories, offering unique analysis from this longtime TV news producer and editorial com- columnist. Then at 11.30 and until 2 o'clock, a live broadcast event with Malcolm Honline from Israel being presented by the Nachum Siegel Network and American Friends of Barilan University. You don't want to miss that. It's a broadcast with featuring Malcolm and an assortment of other professors and researchers from Barilan as they opened the Impact Center for Study of Judaism in Israel and North America and then the Monday Music Marathon. Until Sunday... Yom Yerushalayim, where I'll be joining Nachum in studio, and then Monday, immediately following JM and DA. My name is Mayor Weingarten, reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race.